0: Mate, I'm honestly not even embarrassed to admit how excited I am to get a footballer on today.
1: Yeah, me too. I'm buzzing for our first footballer and Kane, he seems like a really interesting guy. So I'm looking forward to chatting to him. So Kane Vincent
0: Young is who we're having a chat to today. Um, He's just started off at Ipswich, got off to a, such a good start. He's winning player of the month straight up. Bit of a fan favourite and we had former players like Kieran Dias saying how much of a good player he thinks he is. So... Before that, he was at Spurs Academy and obviously Spurs are one of the biggest clubs in the Prem, but in general, just one of the biggest sports teams in the world. So it would, be, it would be sick to hear about what it was like being an Academy boy there.
1: Yeah, I mean, while he was there as well, there were some pretty big names like Gareth Bale was there and obviously Kane's a right back and Kyle Walker was there at the same time. So he's had a pretty good footballing education at Spurs. But I think the other thing that I'd quite like to chat to him about is like how he stayed so mentally resilient. Because obviously... He got released by Spurs at a young age and then more recently he's had to deal with quite a few serious injuries so you've got to stay mentally strong to get through all of that like he has and he's now playing so well for Ipswich he's got a bright future ahead of him so it'll be interesting to see how he stays so resilient and mentally strong.
0: Yeah and that mental strength is probably something that's not talked about that much like I was reading a Athletic article on, on the boys in the Man United Academy and some of them getting released at 18 and then from there they sort of go on to be at Kane's age at 24 and they've sort of lost love for the game. They've just not gone on to do what they are expected to do. So for Kane to be 24 and playing such a high level and doing so well is fair play to him, really.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of players do seem to get released and just sort of slip through the net because they get heartbroken by it and lose their love for football. But yeah, Kane's managed to carry on playing, so fair play to him. But yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing about what his life is like off the pitch as well and what sort of stuff he gets up to away from matches.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, we, we get a lot of people on from a lot of different sports, but I think football's different in that it's just so high profile and the amount of public scrutiny that they're under It's just on a whole different level to other sports, isn't
1: it? With being a modern-day footballer, you've got to handle so many different pressures, such as social media. Like, If you have a bad game, you're going to get home and you're going to have thousands of fans tweeting you and berating you, and it's just pretty brutal. 100%. and
0: Yeah, it'll just be interesting to chat to him about how he goes about using social media, really. He's got such a big following, and you'll have so many people letting him know how they think he's played and whether that's good or bad. So, yeah, it'll be sick to hear about how young footballers go about using social media because um, it obviously can be used for such good as well. And, yeah, it'll be class to chat to him today. So let's get him on. Cheers, Kane, for coming
2: on. How's lockdown been? Pleasure. It's been actually a really good period for me, personally. I to spend some time with my family that I wouldn't have always had the chance to do. You know, pick up some new skills. I know how to do a barbecue now. I never knew how to do that before. <laughs> and yeah, keeping on top of training as well. I mean, I had an injury prior to lockdown, so it's been a great chance to help me get myself back up to speed. So um, yeah, I've tried to use the time as best as I can and um, yeah, I've enjoyed it so far.
1: So you've uh, actually been back in team training now, have you?
2: No, no, we haven't been back in team training, but um, we've been in correspondence with all the physios and the coaches and stuff, so um, we know what we have to do. So it's just a case of working away from home.
0: And just in terms of keeping everything going throughout lockdown, how has it been keeping the relationship going with your
2: manager and the rest of the team? To be fair, I wouldn't pick up my phone and ring him. We've had a couple of Zoom calls as a group, yeah, which yeah. is good, you know, just to keep in touch, see how everybody's doing. There's a couple of group chats on WhatsApp where... A couple of messages will be sent to and from. So I think it's just a case of making sure everybody's okay. But the staff have been great, not just the manager, the whole staff. You know, they've been looking after us. If we need anything, they're they're there on hand to help us with with whatever we need. Decent.
1: And have you been watching any of the Bundesliga to keep your football appetite up?
2: Yeah, I've watched a couple, actually. I've watched a couple of Dortmund games. They've been super impressive. It's like they've never had a break. Uh watched Dortmund Bayern the other day, which was a really good game as well. So it shows that, yeah, football can be played, but obviously it's, it's a bit soulless without the fans.
1: Yeah, it's not quite the same.
2: Yeah, exactly. And
0: lockdown didn't come at, well, it's obviously not an ideal time for everyone, but you were injured already, weren't you? So it's actually not been that bad for you, I assume.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like I said, it's given me a chance to kind of make up for lost time. I think when they made the announcement, there were nine games to go and I was hoping to kind of feature maybe in the last four or five, but it's allowed me to, you know, get kind of get that time back. And now it's just down to whether they um, allow us to play the rest of the fixtures or if they scrap it, but either way, I'll be ready.
1: That's ideal. So yeah, you you were having a good season, weren't you? I mean, as you say, you started off the season, your first season at Ipswich and you hit the ground running really and uh, got player of the month in your second month in September Um, But first, how how was it signing for Ipswich for such a big club with a great history? It must have been pretty exciting.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these are the kind of milestones that you work towards. It happened quite late on as well, so I'd actually started the season with Colchester. So the way it kind of happened, it it came out of the blue. But uh, for me, it was like the perfect next step. It's an amazing club and I've loved my time there so far. It's just a shame that um, I think I only managed to play like seven games before I got injured. So I'm looking forward to being back out there. But yeah, it's, it's been great so far.
0: You've obviously had an injury recently and a few along the way on your journey and I I feel that fans don't realise just how hard it is to cope with injuries sometimes so how hard is it and how do you personally go about dealing with them?
2: Yeah I mean it's extremely difficult it's like essentially you can't do your job you know and it's hard going to watch your teammates play knowing that you kind of can't get anywhere near the pitch can't do anything to help you know you're with them at breakfast and then you go your separate ways like I'll go to the gym or the treatment room don't go into the training pitch, which is hard. I don't think I would have been able to have done it without my support network of family and friends. You know, surrounding yourself with good people at a time like that is just super important because um, mentally it can take its toll, you know, a lot of frustration. So, um, yeah, for me, I think the most important thing is surrounding yourself with good people that can help you through it.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of people say that being injured and doing rehabs may be a bit more full-on than training might even be.
2: Yeah, yeah, they're not wrong. To be fair, some of the work that I've done has been Harder than what I would do when I get back into training. Just so you know you're ready. But it's, yeah, it's gruelling. If you do it properly and apply yourself properly, it's, it's not meant to be easy, you know, because you're meant to stretch yourself more so then when you get back into training, you hit the ground running. Definitely.
0: I think you being quite mentally strong seems to be something that's come through quite a lot in your career. You obviously had potentially a little bit of the heartbreak with Spurs Academy stuff. And then you've sort of, from there, you've gone to representing Colchester so young. And now it's such a big club like Ipswich. So how do you keep mentally strong and like resilient? Obviously, you've mentioned your support network, but is there things individually
2: that you think you can do? For sure. I mean, just how you train your kind of skills technically. I think it's important to kind of try and train your skills mentally as well. I mean, everybody's kind of seen that Michael Jordan documentary, which kind of gives you like the most amazing insight into kind of what it takes to be a winner, you know? So I think it's just trying to connect with yourself, try and find the standards that you set, and live by them and always kind of don't settle, try and be critical of yourself and um, keep pushing to strive to the next level.
1: You had a bit of a weird one when you actually signed for Ipswich. It wasn't the first time you'd played for Ipswich really because you went on, didn't you go on a pre-season tour with them? And obviously they turned you down first time round. So you've shown a lot of resilience by being able to actually get in a second time round and show them what they were missing.
2: Yeah, I mean, that whole situation was quite weird. But I mean, you know, some people say things happen for a reason. So I've come there the second time. The whole process was much more organic. You know, I kind of felt wanted. So I played against them in pre-season. And then it was after that that the interest kind of happened. But, you know, the first time round I went there, I kind of thought I had nothing to lose. You know, it would have been a great experience to play with at the time who we were championship players. Uh, if something came of it, something came of it. If not, then, you know, I was so grateful to Colchester for um, allowing me to come back. You know, yes, I kind of went there, spent a week, came back and then um, played another 40 games of Colchester, which uh, for me, in hindsight, was definitely the best decision. Not to say that if Ipswich would have said something, I would have gone. But, you know, I think it's worked out for the best. I went there a much more experienced player.
0: And you say about Last Dance, it seems like most sportsmen and sports fans across the country have definitely been watching every episode of that. So what are the sort of main things you've taken from that to uh, inspire yourself, would you say?
2: I just think the standards that those guys set themselves, you know, the demands, it's all about kind of dragging your teammates along as a collective. And as an individual, you know, you saw the work ethic that he had, uh, his will to win. So, yeah, it's just a combination of all those things, really. If you can marry those together, then you've got a chance. Yeah, definitely. And they
0: must be a few of the things you've learned coming through Spurs Academy, because obviously being part of a Premier League academy, you must learn quite a bit of discipline and must be sort of the perfect preparation for a pro career, really.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the time, you don't really see it. But in hindsight, once you've left and you realise the level that things were done to, you know, it was super professional. I didn't always like it at times. You know, me and my teammates didn't always like it because we were there early in the morning till late at night, you know, kind of like we wouldn't leave until maybe like 5pm. But, you know, that whole experience instilled in me proper kind of morals, proper values, professionalism that I've managed to take with me. And um, it served me really really well
1: Talking about the academy it it seems like a lot of players who may have been in your position getting released at uh, a young age end up just slipping through the net and maybe losing their love for football and giving up so what made you stay motivated and carry on playing football and ending up uh, playing professional football with Colchester?
2: I mean it's something I've always wanted to do otherwise I wouldn't have made the sacrifice that I had to make from when I was young you know people don't realise from the age of 11, 12, I couldn't kind of, and it's not just me, it's everybody that's in the system. You can't just live normally. You know, you want to go out of your friends. You can't always do that. You may have training the next day. You may have a game the next day. It's about doing things properly. And, you know, the way I saw it is just because it hasn't worked out here. There's 91 other clubs in the football league and luckily, Colchester were the club that came in, and I, I was very determined to make a, a success of myself. So I decided to go there kind of as a fresh start. No one knew me. I've been at Tottenham for seven years. So um, it was a nice opportunity to go there, kind of unknown, and make my own path.
0: And you say about that support network that you had, obviously, you're very close with Harry Wink. So it must have been quite good for you two to come through together, both really ambitious players, both playing at high level, sort of spurring each other on.
2: Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, apart from kind of on the pitch I cherish our relationship off the pitch you know he's yeah. the nicest guy he hasn't changed from yeah when we first started playing together which was 11 you know he deserves all the success that he gets because um what he's done is amazing but it's great to have him as part of like a support system you know you need people that are kind of like minded and are going to push and inspire you you know when i see him do well i'm really happy for him and i want the same for myself so Playing
1: in an academy and particularly a Premier League academy like yourself requires a lot of hard work and dedication and long hours being put in. So was it difficult when you were going through the academy, resisting pressure from your mates who at that time were potentially going out and having a drink and doing other things? Was it difficult resisting that temptation?
2: I mean, I had my fair share of disappointments that I missed some good parties, but at the same time, I had to see the bigger picture, you know, like I know why I'm doing this. I'm not thinking about what I'm losing. I'm thinking about what I'm gaining. You know, this is something I've always wanted to do and I understood that it's a sacrifice that I had to make and I had to be fully committed. So, um, you know, looking back, I definitely made the right choices because I'm happy with where I am now. And if I made the wrong choices, then maybe I wouldn't be here. The past is probably better now, to be fair. So...
1: The last thing I wanted to ask about uh, the academy experience, and obviously we've touched on it, about how you managed to find another club after obviously the disappointment of getting rejected by Spurs. I was wondering what your thoughts would, might be on how other players in your position could avoid slipping through the net and how they could look to get picked up by clubs. What what needs to change, maybe?
2: It's a very difficult process because, um, you know, it's one of those ones. In, in many cases, I was quite lucky because... Um, when Colchester called me, they called me and said, we need a fullback because, um, our right back because our right-back got injured playing in a pre-season friendly with the first team. Had that not have happened, that call never would have come. So, But I do think clubs who have had boys there for a number of years, I, I do feel like they have a duty of care. If they are going to release a player, at least kind of give them some form of guidance. Tottenham were, to be fair to them, they were quite good with me. So they kind of sat me down and said, you know, th- this is what you can do. But in my head, you know, I always wanted to kind of carry on my journey, come what may. And I was lucky enough that uh, Colchester had that that vacancy at the right back position to fill. And then I went in there and, um, yeah, I did the rest. So.
1: And you actually played against Tottenham again, didn't you, whilst at Colchester? Yeah. That must have been a really weird experience.
2: Yeah, I remember that well, actually. So we lost 4-0, in the FA Cup, on BT Sport, I think. I got nutmegged in the first minute by Trippier. The ball came over the right-hand side. I like steamed out to him, tried to slide tackle him, and just put it through my legs.
1: Oh, that's gutting.
2: <laughs> One of my friends texted me after the game that um, I was trending on Twitter for about five minutes after that. But yeah, no, that was an amazing experience. You know, it's always great to play against um, against big teams like that, and that's something that I aspire to do again in the future.
0: So, just going back to your time at Spurs Academy, I think something that'd be quite interesting to talk about would be um, your mate Will Miller, who obviously had time at Spurs and a bit of time at Burton as well, but has now decided to go down a different route. Um, so I'm just wondering, he's obviously a very talented footballer, um, but he's, why do you think he may have chosen to go down that different route? And then secondly, it's down the route of um, music and production itself, which is quite quite a difficult thing to do anyway. So he must have been keeping that going whilst at the Spurs Academy. So how important do you think it is to have interests um, and passions outside of sport?
2: Well, I mean, with Will, he's a very ambitious person, you know, individually. He's yeah. a very good footballer as well. So, I mean, what he did was really brave. But I think at the end of the day, he got to a stage where he identified what his true passion was. And he made the brave decision to follow his passion at the end of the day. I think a lot of people would have just stayed in football for the sake of it. Yeah. But, you know, for him, his purpose is clearly what he's doing now. And he's much happier doing it. And he's the kind of person that whatever he does, he'll succeed. He's just got that mentality. But I mean, it's so important to have other interests because the intensity of the job is, is that much that you can't consume yourself in it because I think you'll lose your mind. So it's so important to have other things that can relax you off the pitch, take your mind off things, because at the end of the day, there is a degree of pressure and expectation that you have to live up to. So that you need to find ways to switch off.
1: Yeah, it seems like footballers sometimes yeah, take up other hobbies to distract themselves from the pressure on the pitch. So whether that's golf or music or, or whatever it is, is there anything in particular that you find helps you relax away from the pitch?
2: To be fair, for me, I enjoy spending time with my friends a lot. My friends and family, that completely takes my mind off things, just having a laugh with them. I like to read. I want to take up DJing as well. That's always something I've had an interest in. I love music. So, um, yeah, stuff like that, I think it it all helps. Like I said before, you know, it's so important to just have those things that help yourself keep yourself centred and balanced as a person. And you say about how
0: important reading is to you. Is that autobiographies of other sportsmen that you can learn from or is that just a range of things?
2: It's anything, really. You know, I think reading isn't just about picking stuff up like that, like the autobiographies, where they do have their place. But it's just about um, just feeding yourself with good information, whether that be like a good story to take your mind off things or there may be a book with one or two gems that you can note down and take forward. So I don't really discriminate when it comes to reading. I do like reading kind of autobiographies, but I do like um, like fiction books as well. So i like to mix it up.
0: I think it's mad and something that's not talked about enough is the role that that sort of mental side can play in sport. I think that's something that Cam and I are trying to get out a bit is because so many people get interviewed and sort of talk about stuff on the pitch. But there's obviously so many things off it, like reading and, you know, even something like The Last Dance, which helps, like, fine tune your your mind correctly to actually play professional sport.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's, it's not easy at all. You know, there's so many external factors to deal with. Like I said, the pressures you know, not being selected, trying to come back from a poor performance. And that's all kind of down to your mindset at the end of the day, kind of trusting yourself that you'll get through a bad patch, staying on the right course. And yeah, like I said, it's not easy, which is why you need to find things that kind of feed yourself to get you through those tough times. And then when you are doing well, to kind of try and stay at that level and produce it as a consistent, because um, it's a very competitive environment. So, um, you know, if you're not doing well, inevitably you get replaced. So it's about trying to stay at that level.
0: It's competitive and it's just quite a brutal industry as well, isn't it, yeah, football? Yeah,
2: absolutely. So. People don't see
1: that side at all. No. I feel like you've got to have a pretty hard skin. Because, I mean, as you say, if you have a bad game, you might get a few tweets slagging you off. During the game, you've got fans groaning all around the stadium when you misplace a pass. It's just, it is a brutal industry and people don't see that. And I feel like the mental side of sport and sports psychology isn't really talked about enough. And maybe it's improving at, at slightly, but it definitely has got a long way to go.
2: Yeah, I think... It's come on leaps and bounds. I think 15, 20 years ago, I think, you know, the whole kind of phrase mental health had a kind of direct correlation with weakness. If some, if you say you're kind of struck, especially like not even in sport, just in society as well. I think it's a societal issue. You know, men have a lot of pressures and expectations and I feel like a lot of them don't want to feel like a burden and say that they're struggling because they might come across as weak. But at the end of the day, we're human beings as well. So not just footballers, but men in general and people, you know, it's important to speak up because I've firsthand, unfortunately, seen what it's done to someone. And it's horrible. You know, it's horrible. Like the person almost became unrecognizable. Thankfully, they're through it now, through the other side. But I wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemy, which is why it needs to be spoken about and people need to be helped.
0: Yeah, definitely. And do you think that's something that you'd feel quite comfortable talking about at Ipswich or with a club?
2: Well, in terms of my mental state?
0: Yeah, or just do you think someone in general would be able to? Do you think football's got to that point where people are able to talk about it a bit more freely? Have you seen that over the last few years?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, Colchester did a really good job. They had a psychologist who you could go and speak to. She was on hand to give you advice. I was lucky. I was able to kind of confide in... Well, I'm able to confide in a number of people, but at Colchester there was a coach called Steve Bull. He was great for me, you know, like we'd talk almost every day, like I'm talking long chats as well. If I needed him outside of football, I could just give him a ring. But yeah, and he was a very important part of me kind of staying on the course and helping me um, reach a good level of performance. Yeah,
0: and it goes back to that social media thing again, because you could social media could be used for so much good, like removing a bit of a stigma around mental health or being able to open a conversation up a bit more. So like we're saying, with you using social media, there are so many good uses it could be used for.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've seen several campaigns and stuff on mental health and loads of other things. And it's great that you can use that platform to raise awareness. And I feel like that's what it should be used for and continue to use for because people listen. Definitely.
0: And in terms of your career, then, who would you say is sort of the main influential people you've had throughout your years?
2: First and foremost, my parents and my sister. Yeah. You know, from as long as I can remember, they've always been the most supportive. My mum and dad taking me to training all the time. My sister hates football, but she'll come and watch me just to support me, yeah. which is great. And then other than that, I've been blessed to have some really good coaches that have helped me along the way, giving me my opportunities, you know, my debut when things haven't gone so well, kept uh confiding in me and trusting in me and helping me get back to that level. Because you do take knocks along the way, there are bumps on the road but they'll help me recover and then some amazing teammates as well so like there's a couple of boys that i came through at tottenham with and we're still kind of best friends together to this day you know which is great you can't do it without your teammates they're all an essential part of the journey and in a lot of dressing rooms as well you might not always get on with people you know the way football is people come and people go a lot of the time you might play with someone and never speak to them again but i've been lucky enough to support some really strong friendships and relationships so when i finish playing i'll, st- I'll still be very tight with them
0: yeah well it's like last dance in it they had so many characters that were maybe a bit contrasting but you know they just learned to gel as a team to become one of the best teams ever it's like i can imagine football being a bit like that you're in a dressing room of loads of different people and it's just about trying to make it all work basically
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's what it is. You're individuals that have to come together for one kind of common goal. You may not all like each other, but you all have to get on the same page if you want to be successful. For sure.
0: Going back to what you said about how being a footballer can be all consuming, I think something that would be good to chat about is maybe the role that social media plays in that because it's almost like you can't like on social media you are a footballer and to all your followers you are a footballer and it might be hard to actually escape from that sometimes is that something you find
2: being a pro footballer or- yeah I mean sometimes for me I kind of try and limit my use of social media so like if I'm not posting pictures then I'm just literally like sending memes to my friends and stuff like that just using it kind of normally because you've seen how poisonous social media can be you know, I try to. or I, I never. I have Twitter, but I never tweet. I literally just use it for for funny videos and stuff. Instagram, like if I want to post pictures, I will post pictures. But yeah, like social media, there's a lot of positives, but there's also a lot of of negatives as we've seen in the media. So um, it's one of those things that I try not to take too seriously because it's inevitable that you you'll find something about yourself that you don't like. So for me personally, I don't go looking. I try and keep it as light as I can. So.
1: So after a game, would you not read Twitter and see what people are saying? No.
2: Even if i played well, I I just don't like it. I just think you can't let those kind of things get to your head or make you feel too down. You know, I always say, like, if you live for people's approval, you'll die by their rejection. So I'm just trying to do it for myself and the people that are close to me.
1: I know know that if I was in your position, I'm sure, and I saw a a tweet or a mention on Twitter, I'd definitely definitely want to look at it. But yeah, that's probably why you're so mentally strong is being able to have that resistance.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I know some people, like, after a game, If they've had a bad game, they'll go on Twitter and search their name. And I think, why would you do that to yourself? It's not going to be good, what you're going to see.
1: Talking of fan pressure, how have you found it playing at Ipswich? Obviously a big club with attendances regularly getting over 20,000 and high expectations to get promoted back to the championship. How have you found that fan pressure?
2: I I enjoy it, to be fair. Like I, I usually get nervous before games because obviously I want to do well but once I get into it I'm fine but I felt like I was prepared to take that step because I've got my experience at Colchester albeit it's the attendances aren't 20,000 but I've played enough games to kind of know what I'm doing now so it's something that I wanted to just enjoy you know I think you have to see it positively if you're playing in front of 20,000 people and playing well there's not many better things than that
0: and I think something that a lot of people listening would find interesting is maybe the role of agents and then how that helps someone get signed. So it might not be something that you can talk about that much, but sort of what is the process with an agent coming in and signing you? Is that something that happens academy days or is that something that happens later on down the line?
2: To be fair, the agency game is is crazy. Like I've heard kids as young as nine and ten getting agents, but that's just the way the game's going. You know, people see the smallest sign of potential and it's this, this, and this, you know, the way I see it, I think I didn't get an agent till I was maybe 19 or 20, but there, there, there definitely comes a time when you need an agent, you know, because you need someone to look after you have your best interest there and make sure that they deliver on that. So, um, I mean, yeah, the process kind of is they'll approach you. You have a conversation if you like what you hear, maybe you meet them and then you go from there, but they're definitely, yes. yeah, they have their place in the game for sure.
0: And I assume the main thing must be just the level of trust that you're able to place in your agent, Um, just knowing that they want your best interests at heart more than anything.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You have to. And that's why it's so important to choose the right agent as well, because, you know, the harsh reality of it is that some agents are selfish and they're in it for themselves. So you need to find someone that you can trust on that level to know that if you're doing the business, they'll look after you. Yeah, 100%.
1: obviously you're a fullback and, and quite an uh, attacking one. It seems that the role of the fullback has changed quite a lot in recent years. I mean, back in the day, um, some people might say that like, the fullback, uh, maybe like 20 years ago, was kind of a position you might play if you're not skillful enough to play midfield or something. Whereas now, it's actually one, it's probably one of the most important positions in the pitch. You look at the likes of Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson and Alfonso Davis just getting assists and bombing forward. And is that something you found? Are you excited being part of this sort of new generation of fullbacks?
2: Well, to be fair, I wouldn't class myself as part of the generation, but it's great to see those kind of guys flying the flag. You know, the names that you mentioned, are all the gold standard and the level of performance that they deliver week in, week out is something that um, I can aspire to. You know, but like you've said, the role of a fullback has definitely changed. In the last three years, you know, Man City have gone out and spent 50 million each on fullbacks 20 years ago. Like you said, that never would have happened. So it's nice to see that position taking up some importance, obviously because I play there. So,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, in my fancy football team, I have Trent and Robertson are my two <laughs> so biggest biggest names because so, they get so many points. I mean, that's just the way that a fullback plays these days. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, it's the way the game's gone, but like the game's ever evolving. But it's it's been good to see uh, fullbacks take on a more important role.
1: And is that sort of down to managers? Are they saying to you now they want you to be bombing forward, or is it? Just the way the game's involved, do you think?
2: I think it's a bit of both. You know, managers have their expectations. I've been lucky to have played under managers where their fullbacks are among the most important players on the pitch. You know, you're expected to be involved in build-up play when the ball's on the other side of the pitch. You're expected to make the back post, which is great because that suits me down to the ground. And what would you say your sort of main target's looking forward? I don't like to try and look too far into the future, but considering the season, well, we don't know if it's finished, but considering the season that I've had, I think it would be to stay fit and see what comes from that. Because I know if I stay fit and try and find a level of consistency, things should look after themselves. So for me, it's trying to replicate that. The performances that I put in at the start of the season, try and build on that consistency over a longer period of time. So that would be my more immediate goal.
1: For sure. Promotion of the episode has got to be a realistic ambition
2: yeah of course I mean everybody wants to get promoted I think we would have nine games to go you have to take each game as it comes try not to look to the left or to the right because you know everybody has a tendency to find out how teams have got on but we have to focus on ourselves
0: and international football wise you've already been approached play for Grenada haven't you
2: so my dad is from uh, Grenada okay so around the kind of 60s and the generation before that there was a kind of diaspora of those of west indians who have moved all around yeah. the world be it like america into europe in my case my dad moved to england he's been here since he was 8 or 9 years old so um he's he's british essentially you know he has a passport and everything his schooling was done here and in turn you know i was born and raised here so i feel i feel english of course i'm proud of where i'm from but yeah. It's really bad. I actually haven't been back to visit Grenada. So I don't feel that affiliation and connection. Obviously, I'm very proud of it, but I don't have that. Yeah, like I said, I don't really feel connected to the country. So for me, it wouldn't really make sense to play for them.
1: Yeah, fair enough. It seems like quite a lot of players play for nations that they have sort of like tentative links with just so they can play international football. So it's quite like good of you to not. But is that maybe you have ambitions for England one
2: day? You never know. To be fair, like we said, the fullback position, they're well-stocked at the minute, but um, I'm still young enough.
1: So yeah, 100%. You never know. Thanks for doing that. I really do
2: appreciate that. Yeah, pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Nice. No, um, really you cheers, mate. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, thanks right, very much. much. Pleasure. Nice to Take
1: care. Cheers. Nice cheers.
2: cheers. All right.